Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Time to Come Alive. My name is Valerie Hope, and I am your host. I'm your coach. And this is one of my favorite opportunities every week to bring conversations that help us become more conscious of ourselves, make us more connected with one another, and create. We have the opportunity to be more creative. Now, this is, I was sharing with my guest, which I'll introduce in just a few minutes, how I'm so excited to have intentional conversations. These are the kind of things that I love doing just for fun. And I thought this would be a great opportunity for the rest of you to join us in this conscious conversation and also perhaps inspire you to have conversations with those in your own life. So to do that, if you're logging on live right now, if you're watching us on Facebook Live or you're, you're on with us on Zoom, I recommend that you share this with share share with people in your in your social media circle that you're participating on the call so that they can also listen in live and participate with you. If you're listening to this recorded already, share it with other people so that way you guys can engage in a conversation of your own about the topic today. And we will get to the topic in just a moment. As you know, I'd like to prepare the listening of the of the participants or the audience, those of you who are listening have an opportunity to listen a little differently. And because today we're talking about motherhood and what that means and the impact that motherhood might have on, on a person, especially mothers, but also communities, I want you to take a moment to really think about ways in which you can create space and become more patient or become more open to all the things that come with either being a mother if you're a mother or having children in your midst. So to do that, just ask you to take a few deep breaths just to get centered. For some of you, it might mean you might close your eyes if it's something that's comfortable for you, or you might decide to just soften your gaze just a bit as you prepare and start thinking. I want you to think about areas in your life right now, today, this week, in the future, that you need to have full capacity of your heart and your mind, meaning you have to be open, you have to be prepared to receive as well as to give freely. So think of an area where that's important right now. Good, take another deep breath. Now, we're gonna go through some mantras that I found on scarymommy.com. I know the name Scary Mommy seems a little odd, but. <laughs> The, the mantras I thought would be applicable to anybody, regardless, regardless of whether you, like I said, have children of your own or are in a space where you need to have the patience, the generosity that is required of being around children. As I say each mantra, I'm going to ask you to repeat it to yourself in your mind three times. And we have a few mantras to share. So for each one, again, just repeat it in your head to yourself three times. We'll start with the first one. The first one is... This too shall pass. The next mantra is, if it makes for a good story, then it's worth doing. The next one is, be brave, be bold. The final mantra, 
will I care when I'm 80 years old? All right, with that, a couple more deep breaths. Just sink it in. Feel free to use these mantras at any point in your day, especially when things seem to be going off the rail. Like, this too shall pass. <laughs> now you have the opportunity to give a little bit more freely, to receive more freely all of those opportunities to create clear, clear and create space in your heart and your mind is available to you by using these mantras. Okay, you may open your eyes or on, uh, focus your gaze again. We're gonna have, start this conversation. I wanna introduce today's guest. And we, we did make a change. So those of you who listened to the session last week, I mentioned that we would have Sandy Minogue coming on, a prayer warrior, a friend of mine, we're going to actually reschedule her to an, a later date, but I, I have someone today that I'm so excited to introduce to you. She's a great friend of mine. Her name is Lavanya Shala. Lavanya and I met, gosh, has it been a year, Lavanya? I, it's, been, it's been quite a bit. Yeah. We actually connected because we were both at the registration table for some personal development courses that she and I have both taken. We were helping out with registration and then between people coming and going from the table, we'd have a little side conversation and then we'd focus again on whatever we were doing and have another side conversation. But the side conversations, which for some people might be kind of shallow, right? Like us talk about the weather or something. Somehow, I don't even know what we talked about, but it was profound. <laughs> it was pretty profound to the point where we actually scheduled time to talk again. <laughs> And then ever since, we've just kind of met at a regular cadence, and we've talked about everything from motherhood to development. She's given me relationship advice. <laughs> when I was uh, in the process of writing a book, which is still pending, by the way, <laughs> Bavanya also generously shared her story with me. And it's one of the areas that I felt, oh my goodness, this would be a fantastic opportunity for us to have this conversation on time to come alive. Has Lavanya, and I'll, I'll have you share a bit more in a moment, but Lavanya has two beautiful daughters and a husband, wonderful husband, and her daughters are Anaga, who's 11, Divya, who's six years old, and he was just sharing with me earlier how Anaga, um, Lavanya, and her husband have all partnered together to support Divya, who is on the autism spectrum, and what that looks like in their family dynamic, what that looks like for uh, Lavanya as a mother. And so I thought this would be a great opportunity for her to just talk about her journey through motherhood and all the, the special moments it's brought. <laughs> so Lavanya, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> I am too. And I, and I think it would be helpful for everyone if you were to share why you said yes when I invited you. What is it that you wanted to get out of this experience of being on the program? Okay. So uh, I've seen a couple of your podcasts and I really loved how you brought, like when your guests shared, you had really, you know, insightful questions. And it, it got me present to if, if I were in conversation with you, I would be present to a lot more than what, what I'm, you know, on a daily basis, I'm full, so focused on what needs to get done. I'm not at all in the presence of what I've accomplished or how life is for me and for the people around me. And so I really love that I get, you know, it's really time to come alive. 
to get present to the whole journey. And what I'd like to get out of today's interaction is, you know, every time I speak to you, I come away with some nugget of uh, inquiry, which, come, which really made a difference for me. And so I'd like to discover something new about myself and how I live life and take it back to my family. Oh, no pressure, but sure, thanks, of course. <laughs> and thank you so much, that, that, that's very kind. I, and I do see what you mean, that sometimes having conversations with somebody that can reflect back to you how they're listening or what they hear, maybe even between the lines at times, if I'm really connected, somehow it feels like it's a between the lines comment, that it does provide a level of insight of something that we might just regularly do and be completely unconscious about. So I, I appreciate your comments. But you also said okay. something to me yesterday that I wanted to, to highlight about what this meant for you to actually say yes to do this publicly. Ah, Can you speak yes. to that? Sure. So I'm just starting out as an artist. And one of the things I've been resisting is coming alive <laughs> on social media. And yeah, there are a lot of inhibitions like, oh, I'm going to look stupid. I'm going to look silly and I don't look good and all of those conversations. And I really want to break free of that. And this is an opportunity for me to kind of get my toe in the water. Fantastic. Well, first of all, congratulations. You have broken free. <laughs> <laughs> this is what it looks like to break free, everybody. <laughs> You just say yes, and you're participating, and you're on live. You're live on Facebook, and you're going to be recorded from here to eternity. You can share this with your kids. <laughs> yeah. when, you know, you play this at their wedding or something. <laughs> They'll love it. <laughs> All right. So thank you so much because I think that's that's really one of the reasons I wanted to highlight that comment is because it's really the purpose and the meaning that I wanted this program to have is that it's an opportunity for people to find a way to break free just a little bit more from whatever normal constraint or whatever limitation we sometimes impose upon ourselves. And that's what coming alive looks like. And it may not be that you're on every week, but it might mean that when you have an opportunity, you say yes, really. <laughs> Good. So let's talk a little bit about your motherhood. Cause I, first of all, tell us how, where are you from? How long have you been a mother or how long have you been married? And just kind of tell us a little bit about your journey into motherhood. Okay. Um, I'm from South India. Um, I, I'm educated as an architect, I, though I never practiced it. And uh, I've been a mother for now 11 years. And I have two daughters, Anaga and Divya. Divya has six. And, uh, you know, it's, I'd say 11 plus six, 17 years <laughs> of being a mother. Um, you know, every, the first child I had, I was so nervous. I was so scared. I'd break her or I don't know how to do this. And, but I was really clear I wanted to be a mother. And when the second one came along, I, I said, oh, I'm going to enjoy every moment. Because the first time I was so worried about, oh, come on, will this ever end? That kind of thing was going on. But the second one, I really was enjoying every minute. Even the crying and the, you know, all those. And she turned out to be a very mischievous one. So it was all the more fun. So, um, And... 
I ongoingly learn a lot from my children and uh, I'm not the same person anymore. Mm. So tell us about what, what were the expectations that you and your husband had about becoming parents? Well, we didn't. We were really young uh, when we had our first child. Um, and I, I don't know how to answer that. We didn't have any expectations. It really was a roller coaster. We were discovering and finding out things as we went along. Uh, we did try out, you know, sorry. We did start out wanting to be perfect parents. Like we'll do this unlike, you know, people in our lives. And it for did example, start. For example. Well, I didn't have TV for the first few years of my daughter's childhood. And, or I didn't give her sugar and all those ideal things that I wanted to do. And then a few years later, you know, she'd go to a birthday party. She, all she wanted was sugar. And so I said, okay, fine. Let me just, you know, redefine my goals and let her have a little bit. And she watches crazy amounts of TV now, both do. And I'm okay with that. Not because, you know, I have no power over it but more because it's out there. If I'm gonna not let them watch at home, they're gonna go out and watch somewhere else. And I'd rather they watch at home and I know what they're watching mm -hmm. than do it, you know, hidden. And Got so, it. yeah, I try to create an open space with them. But yeah, as you get, have your second child, your idealism kind of goes down. <laughs> you renegotiate what's important. Interesting. And for you, you also had some changes, right? Because when you realized that Divya had some special challenges, mentioned that that also impacted. Can you share what the challenges and also what have, yeah. what, what were the, the changes that you and your husband had to make? So uh, when we had Divya, she, start, she started, you know, running before she could stand. And she was naughty from the beginning. Yeah. She would just prop herself up and she'd launch herself across the room. And so we enjoyed all the mischief, but uh, gradually, as uh, we found out later, she had special needs. She was diagnosed being on the spectrum and her challenges were communication and social interaction. And I remember when we first got the diagnosis and it didn't happen just overnight. We knew for about eight, nine months that she has special needs because uh, there was zero to nil, I mean, almost no social interaction. She, no eye contact. She wouldn't talk. She wouldn't respond to her name. And she didn't learn any language until, you know, we, we took her speech to speech therapy. And for six months, she just picked up one word. And that she didn't even know how to use it. She just repeated it. So we knew there was something was off and that she needed special attention. And so when we got our diagnosis, on the one side, there was relief. We finally knew what was what we we're dealing with. On the other hand, I had all this image of, oh, she's going to be living with us for the rest of her life. She's not going to be speaking. She may never have a career. She may never have kids of her own. Uh, it also meant, you know, that we won't get to do what we want because what we have, an image of special needs parents, is what we saw in movies or really rare cases that we've, you know, hear from friends or family. 
and back then where i when i was growing up in india there wasn't that much awareness of how people were dealing with it there was just oh he's different something's off here and so one of the things that i kind of had to deal with was oh no this is it my life's over it's going to be about her and um it took us it was a journey like it took us a few uh months of introspection reflection you know when they said autism we brought in all these you know kind of visions into it and then we had to really get clear that oh the doctor said she has autism and that just means she has special you know different needs or different challenges she may take you know 20 years to finish high school so what why should she finish in 18 year i mean why should she finish high school at 18 she can take the time she needs and so what if she never has a career so what if she never leaves home you know we have a child who just loves being herself and so we started being more attentive to you know her started loving what she loves and we also started doing the things we love doing instead of waiting for an empty nest to start doing it we started doing it right now and so i started my art career like i started painting i started uh selling my work as a professional artist and i started traveling and it is really um precious and a breakthrough for me to get that i can have the life i want with the circumstances i'm dealing with and i i really love that you said that you didn't have to wait for the empty nest for all of the for life to kick in right what was the like but leading up to that something happened right there's something that happened to change the mentality of okay we're just going to have to deal with all of this until our whatever age but what was it that what was a conversation or what was the awakening that had you decide not to wait until you had an empty nest to start living that way So um I think I was in a course uh self uh, develop a developmental course um and so the landmark I, course that you were taking yes a landmark business course education. yes lama and um I remember looking at how life occurs to me and I I brought up my my life with my 6 year old like how life occurs with her and i had identified that i have this conversation this view called i cannot handle her she's too much for me i cannot do this and i'll fail and i i kind of looked back and why do i have this conversation what happened that i have this or when was the first time i felt this and i was able to go back to my first daughter when she was i think 4 months she was crying so much i was on my own at home and i had help but nobody could help her all she wanted was me but even with me she just kept crying and i remember thinking oh my god this is so much harder than i thought what was i thinking think you know being a mom and i just don't have it figured out and i've just been reliving that story with each child and when i got back clear i said okay i can handle her and i slowly i mean it wasn't like overnight i took on everything but slowly i took actions like when i saw this i started doing art like i took on a 100 day game and i was painting for 100 days 
just to get over my fear of completing my paintings. Until then, I was scared. If I finished it beyond 70%, I'd ruin it because by then it looked better than I expected. Mm. So uh, if I fit, like, you know, if I just go for one, one step further, I might just ruin it. So better keep it this way. And so I had paintings I had not touched for five years. And so I just took on a game to finish things, you know, took on to a game to ruin a few paintings, go all out and have fun. And in the process, like everything was a little bit of expansion, a little bit of growth. And in slowly doing that, I was able to come to the place where I am right now. Okay, so let me just okay. this, see if I, can, if I can reflect back what I heard. So there was a point in time where you felt that, okay, overwhelmed as a parent, this is a lot more difficult, it's a lot more challenging than you expected. But that didn't just happen because Divya was on the autism spectrum. You started yeah. experiencing that from your eldest child too. Yeah. And, and throughout that process, it sounds like you also had some other limiting beliefs about yourself and your capacity. Yes. So it yes. wasn't just motherhood. So it didn't just show up in motherhood, but that seemed to like shine the brightest light. And, and so then part of your own development, you realized was, you know, and this is interesting, maybe it didn't happen this way. So you correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like through your painting, like actually tackling something that was really tangible, that was somehow short-term finishing a painting, almost kind of led into how you could expand and let go and be more open in your mothering. Is that accurate? You, you could look at it that way. It's more intertwined. Like it didn't happen. Like uh, my relationship with Divya didn't first take off and this happened. It happened together. Like um, I, until then, like until I took on this game, I didn't even leave her at home for a couple of hours with her dad and go out. I was there all the time with her. And slowly I started, you know, going away for a three day course. Like I would come back at night, but I was not there all day. And she would handle that. And it started with just the three hours. I was away from home three hours and she would cry for those, you know, for at least an hour when I wasn't there. So slowly, and I had it that because she cannot live without me, I cannot even go. It's like I was trapped because she cannot handle it. I need to be there. And so it started off like that. So both of those things happened together. Like I then said, okay, maybe I can, you know, the first opportunity came to go to New York. And I said, I don't think I can do that. How would she be without me for three days? She cannot handle it. And then my husband was very supportive. He said, you go, this is what you're meant to do. And uh, I really want you to go. We'll see, we'll handle it. She'll be fine. And the first time I remember I left, she cried for an hour or two. They dropped me off at the airport and she was upset. But then she was fine the rest of the day. And she, every day I would check, is she okay? How's she doing? And, and she did she was fine till I came home or till I did a video call from the airport. And that's when she got into the car and she said, okay, let's go get mommy. I see her. <laughs> let's go get her. And so that's when I got that. Okay. She can handle being without me. And so, you know, it happened together. Like, it happened together. Okay. Yeah. 
How did, so, so let's go back to, you were talking about with your painting and your traveling. So how, how did that, what did it, what did it take for you to just start taking on that you could do a lot more for, you know, take a lot more risks? I think I had to first give up. I cannot do it. I had to give up a lot of notions about myself that I had these notions that I'm not good at painting portraits. And I was really clear, I cannot paint portraits. And I was so scared, I would never even look at my daughter's photographs to paint because if I'd ruined the proportions, they would look ugly and I didn't even want that. And so I, I had notions like that. I had notions that, oh, my kids cannot live without me if I went away for a weekend. And so I had to really look at you know, and give up one by one. And it really started with getting uh, clear that I can't do it. And so when I took on the 100-day game, you know, when you take on something to do for 100 days, you don't have, and, and you cut out all this, oh, no portraits, no landscapes, no this, no that. You really have a small amount <laughs> of topics to do. And then I had to get that, oh, fine, let me just try some portraits. And I did. And they did turn out good. And so every step I took, I got clear, oh, I could do this. Not bad. And then I said I wanted to paint abstract. And the first few abstracts I painted, then I got feedback that they weren't great and they were missing composition. And I said, okay, let me see what else I need to do. And so I started looking for resources that would help me. And I said, okay, now I think I want to sell my work. What do I need to do or what's missing? And so it, every time I looked at, okay, what's next? And every time it was like an, a little upgrade of what I thought was possible. And so, yeah, that's... That's, that's lovely. I, I think that's fantastic. And I have seen your progress. You, you, were, you were chronicling all of your artwork and posting it on, on Facebook. So again, you broke through your social media yes. resistance <laughs> even then. Um, one thing that, as you're talking about your, your, your journey in motherhood, reminds me a lot of my own mother. So when we were growing up, or when we were very young, my mother worked as far as I could remember. I don't think she, I mean, I'm sure she had maternity leave <laughs> that I'm aware of. There's four of us, and she had a career. She had something that she devoted her time to outside of the family. But for us, it was never unusual not to have my mom present physically all the time. And to this day, so much of who she is for us has impacted how we relate to what's possible because there was never at least you know, a story that I heard growing up about when your mother life ends and all of a sudden it becomes about your family. So I'm, but, I, but I can see in her own life, and you know, we're from Panama originally, so culture there does not necessarily, at least at that time, was not necessarily promoting that motherhood should go that way. There's some expectations about what mothers do, and it wasn't build your career, travel, <laughs> go on your own. So I'm curious about how your culture has shaped who you are as a mother and perhaps where you've had to maybe veer off and do something different. Um, well, my mom was a working mom too. She, she's a scientist, and so she was working full time. And so I... Even though my friends, their parents, most of them were stay-at-home moms, I saw my mom work 
most of my life. And, but I had given up on doing anything because when I initially came here, I came to USA in 2008 and I was a dependent on my husband's visa. So I couldn't work. And so I said, oh, that's good. I don't want to, I want to be with my daughter. And so even though I grew up seeing my mother work and I seeing, I wanted her to be at home a lot, but she couldn't. And so I think I tried to compensate for that with my daughters by being available for them. And then slowly, you know, oh, another year, I'll just stay at home. So I used it to kind of, you know, not want to go out. I didn't want to go out there and work. I didn't want to work for anyone until I got clear that I want to work for myself. Like I want to start my own business. But I, I, so you asked me culturally, how did it impact me? Yeah, did you receive any sort of social pressure or were there any expectations about how you should mother, how you should express or how you should behave? I think there were. Like the expectation was that I stay at home and teach my daughter, you know, everything that she needs to learn, like get her on top of her alphabet, you know, on top of her reading and do math with her. I didn't do any of that. I just let her read the books she liked to read. I would play with her a little bit, but I didn't play too much. And uh, the expectation I'd say for my in-laws was that, you know, I has, we start a family first. And so that kind of, I did impact me a little bit. <laughs> I'm trying to think back and I'm, I'm, I've never thought about it like that. Okay. But I'm, I'm sure it did have an impact on my way of thinking or what I should do and what I shouldn't do. Uh, I just never thought of it that way. That's okay. And one of the reasons I mentioned it is because last week I had Francis and Kathy Conrad on the program and they mentioned that sometimes these unconscious expectations bubble up when in their case, when they first got married, but then they also mentioned when you become parents, there's all these unexpected or unconscious expectations that bubble up to the surface. And most of them, have something to do with the society and the family structures that we've seen or the people in our lives who make comments or, or you know, yeah. share their beliefs or opinions. So I thought that I think, I think I did, you know, I did have that about my second daughter. Like mm -hmm. she should be in school by now. She should be talking by now. You know, if she doesn't go to school, like she doesn't go to school right now, we pulled her out of school and she goes to all day therapy. And so, there I did have expectations, like unconscious expectations about how she should be. Like by this age, she should be talking so much. By this age, she should know how to ride a bicycle. Or, you know, and, and when I saw she's not going to fit that roadmap, she wasn't going to fulfill on any of those expectations. It, it kind of was devastating, but it really, my husband was, the greatest support at that time. He said, back in the olden days in India, kids went to school, but there was no expectation that they should finish in 10 years. There were kids who finished in two years or three years, and then there were children who, who took 11 years, who took 15 years, and it was okay. It was nothing, it didn't mean anything about their parents. It didn't mean anything about the child. They weren't labeled. It's just, that's how long they took to learn something. And it was normal. And once I was able to 
let that sit in with me that okay she can take as long as she needs to learn she looks six but she behaves three and that's fine that's when i started you know freeing up like okay i started celebrating we started celebrating her every victory getting present to you know her personality and we started learning from her and mm. she been the key driving force for us in our in growing like you said something to me about what you learned from your daughter so i want to ask that and then i want to go back to your older daughter and see talk a little sure. bit more about that dynamic so you mentioned something about how you learned to communicate or how divya taught you about communication can you speak to that sure uh one of the things we recently discovered is you know we expect children to say i'm hungry give me something you know and that's the kind of that's how we're used to using language but she comes up to me says i want a popsicle and we say oh this is not the time for it no popsicle she comes back saying okay give me ketchup said, no i'm not giving you ketchup and she goes back and she comes back and so you know i've realized a couple of times she comes and then she'll say i want chicken and i'd say you're getting dinner in you know 30 minutes but she'd say i want chicken and um we'd realize that that's her way of communicating she's really really hungry she's not going to say i'm so hungry that i need something to eat right now that's not the communication we're going to hear from her we're going to hear what she says the way she says which is i want a popsicle i want a chocolate and i want a cookie i want you know and that's when we began to understand that we've been trying to fit her communication into our world and our listening but rather we'd have to actually listen for what she's where she's coming from and that way we really started getting her communication like one of the another example is she says open the door and she says open the door for everything like open the door for open her buckle open the door for open her pants you know open the door for open the door and so we really had to get that oh she, what she means is open just that mm-hmm. so we had to substitute words we had to come up with our own meanings and so we had to listen beyond the words she was using and so everything we had to discover that way Wow. I think that's really fascinating because for what what it shows to me anyways is that you're really present. I mean you're really con- you have to be present, you have to be really mindful and you also have to connect very intimately so that you get that. Because if I imagine there's a lot of things that you're doing at the same time when she wants to eat something so it's not like you're just waiting for her every moment every every word. but there's something that you're doing in this at the same time so being able to then pause that to focus directly and like what exactly is she trying to communicate i i think that's that's a skill for all of us <laughs> to develop it sounds like you just are getting trained you get the intensive training <laughs> yes on the court intensive yeah. yes awesome so i want to ask one more question about your eldest daughter and then i'm going to invite those who are listening in to share their comments questions so go ahead and start preparing what you want to ask about this conversation or what you like to contribute if you rather mute yourself I'll invite you to do that if you prefer to put it in the chat if you're not able to speak out loud please go ahead and do that now 
So going back to you, Lavanya, I'd love to hear more about how you are preparing Anika, your oldest daughter, eldest daughter, in what's the dynamic like? Because obviously, you know, I know Divya needs a lot of time and attention, different type of time and attention than Anika does. So how do you balance providing what they each need and what impact has Divya's challenges had on, on Anika? So I'll start, I'll first answer the second question, the impact that Divya's had on Anika. Anika's, well, she, to begin with, she was really social. Like she could, she would go to the park and start up a conversation with complete strangers. She'd tell them everything about us. And so she's really social. She's compassionate. And having a sister like Divya has made her more empathetic. Like she really can connect with anyone. She can understand them. She can, you know, feel their, you know, pain too. And, and also the impact of, you know, supporting her as, as raised Divya, she's become like a mini therapist. Like she models her thera our therapists that work with Divya. And so she knows how to deal with, you know, kids on the spectrum or she knows what their special needs are. And so she can go to any of our gatherings and if she meets another kid on the spectrum, she really is able to include their challenges without judging them. So that's what does she do? So she'll just strike up a conversation. She'll play with them. She wouldn't take it personally if they, you know, up and left in the middle of the conversation or didn't look at her. So she's able to, you know, really interact with a wide variety of people. And I know that's a contribution that Divya's made for her for life. Like I thought for a while she wanted to be a therapist, like a behavior therapist because of the way she loved you know, just modeling that therapist at home. And uh, so to begin with, I really didn't balance Anika and Divya. I mean, I took care of Anika's needs, but not her emotional needs. We were focused on Divya and many times we'd have arguments and uh, upsets. And I really lost track of that until recently I got present to, I've been trying to, you know, here Divya is not fitting in a box and I'm, I'm allowing her to grow the way she needs to grow and not fit it, her into a box. But I've been trying to fit Anika into a box and I was unconscious about that. And so I, once I got present to that, I really started letting go. I picked my battles. I started opening up. She needed more emotional attention more than the time. And so once I started providing that, we're so much more connected now. And it also is like one of those things. And every two years, her needs change. Like I just get used to, okay, this is how I handle this. I just learned something about her. And then that's it. She's moved through that phase and I have to relearn something new. So uh, I wouldn't say it was perfect from the beginning. Mm -hmm. We've had our challenges. She'd say, she watched the movie Wonder, mm. uh, and she'd say, I feel like that sister right there. I've not seen the movie. What, what okay. exactly it's, does that It's mean? about a boy um, who's got a deformed face. And so he was homeschooled until 11. And when he went to public school or school in, at 11, he had a lot of challenges. And so the older sister 
didn't get that much time from her mom as the younger brother did. And so many times she had challenges she was dealing with and there was no one there to kind of get her side of things. And so she felt she was alone. And so there's in that book, there's a narrative, like each character has their own narrative for that part of the book. So she did feel like she was lonely and she didn't get the attention she wanted. And, um, but we've been working through that. I'd say it's not perfect, but we're getting there. <laughs> I noticed that you use the word perfect a lot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so that's still something that's running back there in the back that things yeah, happen. Yeah, I, I get Yeah, it. yeah, it is. <laughs> well, I'm just gonna pause here and see those who are listening in, if you'd like to make a comment or have a question about what any of the things that, that Lavanya has shared, please do share. Dave. Hey, Valerie, I had a question. Um, one of the things that my wife, I find, deals with is guilt around doing enough for the kids. And, and we have three beautiful, healthy kids. So I just wonder if that ever came up and, and how Lavia dealt with, um, you know, balancing the needs of one child to the other and then trying to find your own time, how she wrestled with that, that guilt or if she had that. Yes. Uh, thank you, Dave. Um, so I'll just repeat my name. It's Lavinia. And um, I've had that. And initially it was an unequal balance. And somewhere I saw a, a picture that really spoke to me. It was a picture of three, three kids, like one uh, young youth, one was a middle schooler and one was a preschooler. And they're all looking beyond a fence at a base basketball match. And so only the older kid could see beyond the fence and the other two couldn't. And they gave them these boxes and they gave each one a box equally. And so still the younger one could not see beyond the fence. And so the second image, uh, that's okay, Dave, not a problem. And, uh, the second image had the youngest child have two boxes to stand on and look at the match. And the adolescent didn't need a box or the youth didn't need the box. And so it was equality versus equity. And that picture really spoke to me. And I spoke to Annika and I said, listen, I may not give you, you know, everything equally. I'll give you what you need, but it won't be equal. And one of the things I've found from my childhood and from other, many other parents and other kids is that no matter what we do, our kids are going to come back and say, you didn't do something for me. And so I, I just came to terms with that's kind of the circle of life. It's just, you know, whatever, however hard we try, they will find something that we didn't do. And I'd rather have it be something that I'm okay with, or, you know, what I'm committed to. So I, I, you know, gave up that guilt. And uh, I really stand in some of my beliefs when I do things for them. And yeah, it, guilt is something, it's, a, it's constantly there, but I also every day give it up that it's okay to um, not have it be perfect again. But um, I don't know if, if, I hope that answers your question. 
Dave, does that, does that compute? Oh yeah, no, that's, um, that makes a lot of sense. I think um, that helps me help, uh, will help me help Kimbrough when, when we're kind of walking through that, that, you know, it's, it's just something that's there and, and managing it uh, and understanding that it is there and being okay with it because you just can't be perfect all the time. And I think that's, you know, the story in sometimes our head is that, you know, we have to be perfect. We have to be, uh, you know, that we don't ever want them to not be happy with us, but that's just not how real life works. So yeah, I think that's great. <laughs> how many kids do you have, Dave? Um, I have three. And, three children. Age? And they're all very different and they all need different things. And, you know, there is this constant struggle of we have to give everybody something equal. So the, the picture that you uh, talked about, I've actually seen that, but uh, mm -hmm. I think now that it's going to resonate a little more the next time I see it. And Dave, I have a question for you. So I'm, okay. I'm curious. So as a husband, how do you find, what, what is your take on how to support your wife and her own feelings on how to mother? Like, what do you do or what do you say currently? Well, um, I constantly reinforce that she is enough and that it's, it's how she's prepared, um, how she, uh, who she compares herself with, right? So she has this ideal image in her head and, you know, for whatever reason, she's not meeting it. And so what I try to do is give her a more realistic um, comparison and share stories of other people and other moms who um, maybe aren't meeting the basic stuff that we're doing. And, and so, you know, just getting her to a point where she's uh, accepts who she is and what she's able to do and that it's enough. Um, and that's a challenge sometimes because she puts a lot of pressure on herself to be perfect. So, you know, constantly reinforcing that uh, what she's doing is, is what, is what she can do and is what she's meant to do. Um, and sometimes that's hard because as her husband, you know, she doesn't always believe it. She thinks I'm just, you know, telling her that because I'm ha I have to, but uh, I just keep saying it and eventually it, you know, hopefully it will set in and, and uh, resonate with her. Thank you for sharing that. And Dave, you're actually calling in from Dallas. So I just want to, or not Dallas, Frisco, maybe, I think, Frisco, Texas. Yeah, I'm, I'm up in Frisco. Texas. I just want to give people a sense of where you're talking from. And sure. can I add something? Uh, yes. I wanted to say something to what Dave shared. Uh, you know, it's been the greatest contribution to my daughter, older daughter, that I started stepping out of my comfort zone and expressing myself outside of just being a mother. And, you know, I've been painting and I was in an art show and I was traveling. That gave her you know, like a, a future, a mom to look up to, a powerful mom that she's really proud of my accomplishments. She's proud of that I went to a conference, I presented posters at two conferences. And, uh, you know, I've been traveling and she really is proud of that. She likes to support me in that. She came out to my last art show in Plano and she put up my floor easels. Like I gave up on it, but she sat there and fixed it up and helped me arrange everything. And so I, I realized that that's a contribution. I didn't think, you know, she needed. She needed to see me grow as a woman, as an individual, mm -hmm. to give her that kind of future to live into. I love that. And I think that's what 
what the children in our lives need, right? I don't have children of my own, but I mentor quite a few of them. And also I have seven, no, nine nieces and nephews. There's a lot. Five of them live here in the same town now. So I spend a lot of time with them. But I think it is part of our responsibility to model what's possible. And when, and I think that's one of the best things that my parents did for us. They were never too old, never had, they, you know, their, their excuses were not too old, not enough money, not enough time. They really expanded continuously. To this day, they're in their 70s now, and I, I still see that example. So I, I love that. And I want to say one thing, to Dave, to your point about this ideal, the ideal woman. Oh, I think most women, we have that. <laughs> we have that image in our mind of what the ideal woman should be doing or is doing and how we might not be meeting up. She looks a certain way. She, you know, she behaves a certain way. She has this type of experience or that. And when you start looking at uh, some of the, the work I've been studying on Alison Armstrong and how to understand men and, and conversely, how to understand women, she talks a lot about how we have this mental model of the perfect woman. And perfect woman is a perfect wife, perfect mother, perfect career person, like perfect everything. And unfortunately, there, there is no such thing. But it's so deeply ingrained that we're not conscious of it. So I think some of the the books that I, uh, that I read, anything by Alison Armstrong, I think would be helpful. <laughs> but I think she does speak to that often. And it might be something for your, maybe your wife to even take a look at. Uh, good. Thank you so much, Dave, for sharing that. Any, anyone else, any questions or comments? I'm curious to hear what you're getting from this conversation with Lavanya. And feel free to use the chat if you, if you prefer not to speak out loud. All right, I'm just going to pause there for a moment. Let let them come up with an opportunity to speak. I think, hi, Johanna. Hey, Valerie. Hey. Well, I'm, I'm going to jump in before you call on me because I know you are. <laughs> I was not <laughs> going to today. <laughs> Go for it. Thank you. Um, and so I appreciate everything that was shared. I'm calling actually from Dallas. Um. And so I feel like, and I've only have one son. I, I don't even know what I would do if I had more. I feel like I would go bananas. Um, but it's odd, oddly enough, I, I feel like my kiddo is pretty proud of, of the things that I do. And I, I really try to, you know, do what I can. And, and even if I'm working at baseball practice or whatever, I, I've got my laptop on my lap and stuff. Um, you know, I try to, just be as, as present as I can, you know, while, while I can, um, you know, and then give him that quality time and put everything away when it's just him and I time. Um, but I, you know, it's those, it's those other variables that are extenuating that maybe I shouldn't pay as much attention to, but I just can't help it. I get the, I get the guilt trip mostly from his father and we are divorced. And so maybe I shouldn't, pay as much attention but he will throw in the you know well I try to pay you know I want to be with my son as much you know the, it, they're just kind of jabs I don't know why or where they come from I I really don't get it but it weighs on me so bad and I feel like this is just like invisible competition or something I don't know um but it, it, it it's a guilt that it really comes from there um 
And I know, like, in my head, I'm like, don't even pay attention. It's just, I don't know. It's the weirdest thing, though. So it's not even him. It's my own personal guilt, obviously, because, you know, there are times that I feel like I should be doing this or that manifesting even worse because I know kind of what he's thinking. It's horrible. So, so, so Johanna, what you're saying is that you feel you have your own level of guilt about how much or how right. you're interacting with your son. And sure. on top of add insult to injury, your ex-husband also makes comments that has yes. you feel like is a reflection on how little you are doing or how much you could be doing. Yes. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, so it doesn't even come from him necessarily uh, from my son. I think he appreciates and, and I do what I can to explain to him and, you know, um, you know, all the time and give back and all of these different things. So I, you know, I think my son understands um, and I tell him all the time, I'm, I'm, I'm learning as I go here. So <laughs> trust me, I'm, I'm making mistakes all the time. Um, we'll probably, I'll pay for some therapy sessions when you're older. I don't know. <laughs> How old's your son, Johanna? You know, 12. Oh, okay. He's 12. Yeah. But I mean, those are the kinds of things that I, you know, I, I'll, you know, and certainly I pray about it. I pray for him, you know, <laughs> because I'm like, you need Jesus. But, you know, those are the kinds of things, like, it's, it's like, why, why do people, I don't know, it's the weirdest thing. So I know I shouldn't pay attention. I understand the logic behind it. But I guess when I feel so guilty already, having anybody just pour salt in there is even, like, it's harder. It's just, that's the worst thing. So I don't know that there's anybody that can help with that at all outside of a armored shield or something, but um you know yeah well, it sounds it's, it's like- just very difficult it's difficult to ignore when you know that there was a time you cared about that person you know and why he, people would do that is just as ugly mm. yeah i i get your pain and i also hear that you're so committed to giving your son a, a, a fantastic life and when you don't feel like everybody's in your corner it makes it hard right it makes it even more sure difficult. yeah so i totally understand yeah. Uh, yep. I, one thing I would share, and, I, and it goes back to loving it, what you shared about that image with, you know, that you mentioned that uh, the difference between equality and equity. And one thing that I've learned about children, and again, I, I, I want to be very conscious, I don't have my own kids, so my experiences are, are <laughs> sometimes kind of far in between, or I don't have the regularity. But what I, what I found is when we can tap into what makes them come alive, you know, and, and Lavana, you mentioned this with your daughter and how when you, had, you asked for her support and her help and, and your art show, that tapped into something in her. Those are like, those are like the, the super nutritious moments. I think, I think if we really just focus on giving, I'm just going to use food as an example. If we just give food, mm-hmm. you know, empty calories, let's say, because it's food, it's something you can eat like those, I don't want to malign any junk food or any, any, any snacks, but you know, there's some snacks that you eat and it's like, yeah. did I just eat the whole bag? I don't even feel full. Right. And, but you, the action of eating took place. There's something empty, a bowl or something in front of you, but you don't feel fulfilled. And there's sometimes that you could have a little something, but has is packed with so much nutrition and your soul, you feel satisfied and fulfilled. I, I have this experience that with children is the same. 
that when you can tap into exactly what that child feels the most, gets the most value from and bring that in, that the, the level of fulfillment for, for them and for you is great. I'll give an example. I remember <laughs> I have, well, I have a couple of, of, of nieces. They live here in town now. They just moved to Dallas about a week ago. And so I've been just spending time with them and just kind of helping them get acclimated. The eldest one is 13 and I know she enjoys talking. She's kind of intellectual, loves to read. And so I've made time to like, hey, let's go to this bookstore. Uh, hey, let's go to this public speaking workshop. I'm, you know, some of the kids I'm mentoring. So I've involved her in some of that. I know the other, the youngest, next youngest one loves makeup and clothes. And she's already hinted at wanting to get a makeover at Sephora for her birthday. So we talk about makeup and clothes. Like I really try to talk to them about what they're most interested in or get information about what they're most interested in. And I share that because I feel like when we can address their deepest needs and desires or their greatest interest is when they feel the most fulfilled. And we also can tap into what they most need from us. So Lavinia, I'd love for you to speak to that if you could. In fact, I was, I was going to say something. Uh, nurturing that even though we don't agree with it is uh, what I've found that made the most difference. Like there are so many opinions I have about what my daughter should feel, you know, should spend her time on or should do, or she should speak this way. And I like giving that up and letting her be. And even if I don't agree, just letting her be has been the greatest uh, learnings recently for me. And I can share the example I shared uh, with you previously. So uh, she comes, one day I went to pick her up at school and she comes back saying, today all fifth graders got a, pop, a cake pop and there was a fourth grader uh, who was looking at my cake pop and they didn't get any. So I gave mine to her. And immediately me and my mom who were in the car with her said, why did you do that? You should have kept it for yourself. You don't have to sacrifice. And I was retelling this incident to my husband and to Valerie on the conversation. And, and I really got present that we didn't acknowledge her. We didn't thank her for being so generous to, for, you know, giving it away. It takes something for an 11 year old to be that way. And instead of that, I tried to correct her. And that's when I got that. I've been trying to, you know, impose my views on her and uh, impose how she should be and not how she, you know, acknowledge and let her expand how she is. And so since then, I've taken on a lighter approach. There are some non-negotiables. Like I'm not going to mess around with those. But the rest of the things, I just let her be. I let her do what she loves. I, I don't try to correct her. Or, or, so, yeah, I, I really do think I like the example of food, Valerie. <laughs> and, yeah, nurturing what their soul needs is it, what matters. We have to be plugged in and present to yeah. do that. Kind of like what you said about your daughter and Divya is expressing that, you know, for a kid to want ketchup, it's <laughs> probably not really ketchup. There's something behind that. So yeah. being plugged in is what really helps. Uh, I so have enjoyed this conversation, Lavinia. Thank you so much for sharing yourself so openly and beautifully with us and, and for having yet another breakthrough moment. Yes, and uh, I do want to say it wasn't so hard opening up. It was, in fact, 
really enlivening. And I'm going to take that on for my personal business and my personal goals coming up. Fabulous. Yeah. I know we've talked about some ideas yeah. of what you could do. Oh, tell us, now that you've started your, to sell your paintings, can you tell us where we could find your paintings or how we you know, get a hold of you so that sure. people are interested? Uh, you can find me on Facebook or Instagram. Uh, my page is Lavinia Chala Art. And that's my uh, web page too. It's lavanyachalaart.com. And you can find what I'm working on on Instagram. I keep posting. And both my kids are my biggest inspiration for the work I do. To be yourself no matter what. And, mm. you know, express the joy. Uh, as that is lovely. I'll make sure to put that on the notes for the podcast so sure. people could find you and connect. Thank you so much for being so generous with your time and your energy with us today. Looking forward to continuing the theme of family and the impact that family has on us. Next week, we're actually going to be talking to Catherine Gonzalez. (laughs) Catherine has been a great supporter of this program for quite a few months. And I believe she's on the line right now. Catherine, I don't know if you're available or able to speak. Good morning. I don't know if you can hear me. Yeah, we hear you perfectly. Thank you. So I was looking forward to our conversation next week. I know you and I have talk, chatted a little bit about how family has played a role in your life. And, and so you're going to uncover and discover some really wonderful things about what Catherine's been doing and, and how unique and, and impactful her upbringing has been, how, how she is as an adult. Catherine, anything else that you'd like for us to know about your conversation to next week? No, I'm looking forward to it. Yay! um, Looking to conquer some fears as well. (laughs) Conquering some fears. Great. And I want to, yes, I I love that you said that. So I do want to encourage, you know, those of you who are interested in being a part of this program, whether as a guest or or listening in, if this is going to be an opportunity for you to break through your ability to be more expressive, more conscious, connected, and creative, please come and let me know. This is what I do. Like this, you know, why I love to coach on leadership, especially because I think leadership is leadership in life is being able to express your values, express yourselves in ways in which bring you to life. It also alters and transforms your environment. And, and that's what we're here to do. So I'm so grateful to each of you for taking time to share that with us today. And like I said, we'll be posting this shortly on social media, share with your friends and Start having conversations that bring you and them to life as well. Have a wonderful day, everybody. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye.